This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Go! Hey, Husky fans. Welcome back to 4th and Inches of Husky Podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. And we're like Rip and Chauncey. Rip, oh, Rip City. What? Oh, Rip City. Sorry, that's Portland. Uh, yeah, it is. Motor City. Motor City. <laughs> Detroit Pistons. That's right. They they probably beat the best team that never won a championship. It was like the the brainchild. It was like the first draft of the super team. Yeah. It, yes, it was. You're right. Uh, granted, two of them were well past their prime. That was actually kind of like the beginning of the end of like, oh, Gary Payton's not as good as he used to be. Right. But then, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was. Uh, but then he won a, uh, uh NBA championship with the Heat. Yeah, he did. And, I mean, he was a with Shaq. supporting role with Shaq. You're right. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, man, that, that Detroit Pistons, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. Wallace. Yep. That was uh, – was Rashid part of the Malice in the Palace, or was that after that? And then Tayshon Prince, of course. Him, him and Rip, and Tash, yeah, Tayshon, Chauncey. Man, that was a good I might, team. I might take this out, but I'm going to ask you where they all went to college, the, the, the big five. Um, okay. Unfortunately, I know all of them. Sheed is North Carolina. <laughs> yes. Whoa, I want to say one of them is Cincinnati. Is Chauncey Billups like Kansas or Kentucky? Nope. No, nope. Uh, we'll go to Chauncey last. Okay. How about Rip Hamilton? You should know that Husky fans remember Rip Hamilton. Um, was he a Pac-12 guy? No, but he broke Washington's heart. Ooh, Connecticut. Yep. Okay. Tayshon Prince. Um, I don't know that one. It's a blue blood. Michigan State? Kentucky. Kentucky. Ben Wallace? Oh, I don't know that one either. Old uh, Dominion. Really? Yep. Wow. And then Chauncey Billups was a Pac-12 team. Arizona State. Notice I said Pac-12. Oh. Pac-10. It's, okay, so Colorado or Utah? It's Colorado. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Like, only player yeah. ever to go to the league from Colorado? I can't think of another one. Yeah. Cordell Stewart. Somebody in Colorado is like, hey, there's somebody. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but they played at Colorado State. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, enough hoops for one day, right? Yep. Let's get into this uh, BYU beatdown, huh? Yeah, absolutely. The Huskies traveled to Provo on a picturesque Saturday afternoon. Nice, beautiful stadium. They had the cool old uh, logo. They had the end zones with the diamonds. It looked great. And Washington dominated the game from the from the first whistle. Pooped on their parade. Man, I mean, homecoming was ruined. Oh, dude, and they're doing this new thing where the players are walking through the fans. They're all getting pumped up. and then They beat SC it, the week before. Yep, and then that's the end of it. Man. And then, and then the lights go out. The last two years, Washington has played BYU. 
that BYU game last year was, I think, by far Washington's best game overall. Yeah. And in this young season, Washington dominated a, a respectable FBS school like BYU, no problem. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, this was the most complete game that UW has played all year. Uh, start yep. to finish, um, at both sides of the ball, special teams, just a, a really complete game. You know, I think the best part about that is, is I don't think this this team has peaked. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to see progress from them. And I think that eventually, I mean, maybe not against Pac-12 schools right away, but eventually I think you're going to see an even more complete game from them. They'll cut down some of those small mistakes that they made. And, and it's really encouraging to see them play against BYU the way that they did. And this is kind of the Washington then that, that most Husky fans were expecting to see this year where Jacob Eason was on fire. The receivers were catching balls. The running backs were running through gigantic holes uh, and the defense was keeping them out of the end zone. A lot of a lot of turnover um, possibilities during this game. A lot of them kind of squandered. But, Missed opportunities, totally. Yeah, but, um, you know, they did get some turnovers uh, in the first half. You know, you, you, you strip the running back and you take that for a defensive score. That's one way to change the momentum of the game because BYU at that moment was driving. You know, you end up scooping and scoring on them, and that's a 14-point swing potentially. To see this defense fly around and have that many opportunities at, at um, turnovers was – a, a great thing to see. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like we had seen that all year. They didn't get a turnover once until last week. And then this week, I think they had probably five realistic turnover pro- possibilities. This was a game that felt really good. And I, I think I give you some credit. I thought that you nailed your prediction of saying that BYU is maybe a little bit overrated because of the teams they were barely beating in overtime. Tennessee's shown that they're not a good football team. SC's flawed but talented. Yeah. Um, and BYU took care of – I think they're a more disciplined team than USC was at least that day. And so they had some really cool wins. But I still think BYU is still building towards being a program that can compete week in and week out. Yeah, I agree. I I just don't think that their talent level is to a Pac-12, you know, standard. Even though they beat USC, I think USC as a team is far more talented than BYU is. And you kind of saw that this week. I mean, they dropped one against BYU, but then they came out and handled Utah. And Utah is is better than BYU. So, um, you know, their quarterback play is pretty good. But other than that, I just think that their skill positions, they're just not quite there. And, and they're, they're down in the trenches, man. That's where you see a real big difference between the two programs. Total domination. Yeah. Yeah. You know, UW did kind of what they expected to go do. Uh, what was interesting, BYU's scheme defensively matched up really well against USC. And I think that's probably, I mean, that's why they won the game. They didn't really move to go into a stouter line and stack in the box. They usually had eight in coverage, which 
those defensive linemen weren't able to get much of any pressure on Jacob Eason. And he had time to sit back there and, and pick their defense apart. Whereas against USC, where the air raid system, I, I don't know, it, it just didn't work because Washington was so balanced. They were able to really keep BYU uh, back on their heels. Um, US did they did run the ball? Uh, they had a kid with uh, ninety six yards and fifty yards, but then you look at Washington. Washington had one hundred and ten and eighty from two of their guys, and it just kept them on their heels enough where Washington was able to score when they needed to. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. Um, I think maybe USC was a little one-dimensional in the game against BYU. Um, you know, those are okay running yards. They're, it's, that's not fantastic. But you know that they were hucking the ball around. And, and when you got eight defenders back there, you, you're going to get caught up on some running gashes every once in a while. But clearly BYU is trying to stop the, the passing game. Right, you know, leaving eight guys out in coverage. Washington's offense is so balanced that if you had left eight guys into coverage, well, they're just going to run 35 times. And if you stack the box to stop the run, then you got a, a top five national quarterback sitting in the pocket. You, you make a really good point. This is a tough matchup for that defense because – we have a very balanced offense versus USC's a little one-dimensional. Yeah, and I'm pulling it up right now. The team against SC and against Washington. Washington had 290 total yards versus 171 by SC. Yeah. And so that's where you see the difference. I think because of that, there was there was times where our running backs were – we're getting extra yards, frankly, because they are trying to get tackled by cornerbacks. Yeah. And that's just, that's not going to work at the, uh, at the, at the Pac-12 level. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that my big gripes with some of these systems, like the air raid, where you're so one dimensional that you're not able to, evolve with a game and that's why I really appreciate the way that Washington and Chris Peterson runs his program that they are more balanced look at look at UW what they've done with Chris Peterson versus Wazoo you know that's a yeah. that's a one yeah. that's a one-dimensional offense and we have figured out how to slow I mean you're not going to completely stop them but we figured out enough to slow them down to where we've won every time we've played against them they can't change what they do because that's all they've done all year. They just can't all of a sudden become a running team. So, And the reason for that, and it's not because they don't have running backs that know how to run the ball or offensive linemen that have never run, uh, run blocked before. It's because they spend so many reps doing the same things and they spend less time on those things. They're not as good at them when it comes to executing. Yeah. The problem with football is you can have a really, really talented running back, but if your five offensive linemen aren't in sync when it comes to breaking those holes and the pulling guards getting to where they need to go, it doesn't matter. You can have a great center, 
But if your guards suck, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem with these system guys is they don't get the reps doing those things that make teams successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I kind of wish that's what we could see from Joe Tryon. Really? You know, I, yeah, I, I don't well. I don't want to see him every every down. But if he could if he could come in and be a third down specialist and do his job, that would help this defense out in a major way. Totally agree. And I think that he's, he's shown that he's getting a little bit better at doing his job. Um, again, we're going to be out. We're not going to have him for that first half of the next game because of the, the bogus targeting call. But I know that they've moved Potoi a little bit more outside on those non-passing downs and putting yeah. him in, in spots where he can still – he's still, unfortunately, still a one-dimensional player until he shows otherwise. And can we just yeah. can we just talk about how bogus that call is? Because I don't know if I agreed with the call itself or not. I don't think it was targeting. Um, like half a millimeter of his helmet touched the – the mask of the quarterback. And I think it was just such a violent hit that his head whipped back, but they're always going to err on the side of caution. But the, the thing that I'm pissed off about is if it happens on the last play of the first half, all Joe Tryon has to miss is the rest of that game. But because, it, yeah. but because it happened in the first snap I mean, not maybe not the first, but it was the first drive. First drive. First drive yeah. of the of the third quarter. He has to miss that entire half and the first half of the next game, and there's no, no there's no appeal process. So as soon as you get called for targeting, there is there is no explanation. There is no well. Let's take a look at that. No matter what, he got called for targeting on the first drive of the third quarter. And he has to miss that whole half and the whole first half of USC. And that is a bogus, bogus deal. You know, and there's no perfect system for it, right? Because it doesn't make – football's a fluid game, right? It's sure. better than having him lost for the whole next game. I get that. I don't like it. I didn't like the call. I don't like that they were able to review it. He didn't use the crown of his helmet. He put his face mask in his chest. He didn't drive him down. He actually he put his put, arms yeah, out and tried stopped. to stop yep. himself. I thought, it was, I thought it was the absolute wrong call. Um, I get that they're going to side on the – they're going to err on the side of caution, which is fine, but I didn't see any of the indicators that they say that they look for to call that on that play. I'm, and therefore, it's, it's just so frustrating. There's, and I know it's, it's – I'm sure it's a different crew, but the fact that – that was called targeting. And then what happened that took KJ Costello out of at least one game wasn't called when the guy gave him a forearm shimmy right, right to the ground. Right. That's, that's not fair. So that's, I mean, isn't that the point of an appeal process? The coach calls yeah. the NCAA that night after a game and says, hey, I, I either want to appeal Joe Tryon's targeting because clearly he shouldn't be out for the next half. Or you're setting a precedence, right? Yeah. Or I want to appeal this kid that gave my quarterback a brutal concussion with a forearm shimmy and made him smack the back of his head against the turf. 
I want that to be called targeting and I want him out for the next game. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the catch 22 of it is, I mean, they find players in the NFL for, for dirty hits. So. And where does a warning, I'm disappointed. where does a warning come in? One. And one, that's where one, maybe his should be a warning. Right? Yeah. One incidental. He didn't. And in my opinion, there's an incidental and there's a flat out helmet. You're leading with your helmet. You don't put any attempt to get your arms up to wrap the guy up, which Joe Tryon did. And then there's an incidental and then there's a personal foul. So, you know, I, I think the incidental should at least get a warning instead of being out immediately. No, no, no questions asked. That's just a weird, in my opinion, I just, I, Thinking about losing him for the first half of the SC game really hurts because of something that I don't feel should have been called. So uh, other really bright spots in the game before we get to grades, uh, we got the turnovers came. We recovered two fumbles. We got uh, we got one interception. There were chances for probably two or three more interceptions in this game. Just for Elijah Molden. Um, <laughs> Elijah Molden, yeah, and then, of course, Keith Taylor, which yeah. we'll get to later. Yeah. There was definitely places. Zach Wilson uh, completed a little over half of his passes, um, 277, a pick and a touchdown. Jacob Eason was better, uh, and, and, frankly, Washington was able to keep BYU from ever threatening in this game. Yeah. I mean, their their offense kind of looked stifled. Really, the only thing that offense could do was throw to the tight end. And, uh, yeah, that guy's kind of a matchup problem. He runs routes kind of like a receiver, and yeah. and he's got the size of a, of a NFL tight end. And, uh, you know, we, we try what to – What BYU tight end did he remind you of? Todd Heat. Yeah, Todd Heat. Come on, bro. <laughs> you, <laughs> you bought me a Todd Heat jersey. I did. I love that guy. Yeah, you really did too. Oh boy, him and Kyle Bowler. Okay, that yep. Kyle Bowler's a fan. I don't love Kyle Bowler. I did love Todd Heap though. You you did though. You liked Kyle Bowler a lot. I played with the Ravens on Madden. I kind of had to like Kyle yep. Bowler. I ended up always Throw starting deep. Troy Smith though. <laughs> Shout out I, to Ohio State. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt's Matt's listening. Don't give him that satisfaction. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start with the easiest one for you. Go ahead and do the uh, quarterbacks. You know what, though? It's not my highest grade of the day. He got an A minus. Okay. Uh, how? Let me explain. 20... I, I said how. <laughs> well, you're chomping out of my head off right now, Trev, and I don't appreciate it. I don't. I okay. I'm I'm flustered. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Twenty four for twenty eight, two ninety three touchdowns. That should be an A plus, right? The back corner throw to Newton running to his left, having to throw across his body. That is an elite. And, oh. that, that that is an elite arm talent, man. That that throw. He looked like he was falling over. Man, man. that throw was special. I. Thoroughly enjoyed watching that throw over and over. And speaking of that play, did you see the BYU kid stomp on Richard Newton's heel? Yeah. What was that about? Rich, <laughs> I Rich, watched it like, whoa. Yeah, Richard Newton turned around and barked at him, and the kid 
peed himself. He was like, all right, That's I'm done. That's the thing. BYU's the cleanest, dirty program there is. <laughs> yeah. I could. I watched it like four times. I was like, did he really just – he had four steps. He could have slowed himself down. I mean, he knew where he was going. I, I didn't like that. I agree with you. Here's where the minus comes in, man. The one interception. It's the end of the yeah, game. What? That wasn't a good throw. No, I mean, you, you have a big lead. It's the end of the game. You don't need to take chances, and that's what that was. It was it was a bad decision, um, and he it, he had to pay for it. Um, so that is what dropped his his grade from an A plus to an A minus. The one decision. Other than that, it was a perfect game from him, and you, you might think I'm I'm tough on him. But the kid has shown me that he has the ability to be special and, and more special than any quarterback we've seen here in the last, what do you say, 20 years, Trev, since Tui. He's really special. He, he has that ability to be that special type of player. So, of course, I'm going to be a little bit harder on him than I would have been on Browning. It's just that one play, man. It it, it kind of it kind of upset me that he even took a shot right there, knowing that the game's winding down. All you got to do is just run the clock out. No 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 reason to get fancy. You know, take a check down right there if you don't like what you see. So I'm gonna go with. I mean, he did a lot of the game. If it wasn't there, he was going with the checkdowns. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. his totally he only in he only didn't complete four of his passes. Um, he didn't only complete three of his passes. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, one of them was completed to the other team. Sure. You're funny. Ah! You're saucy today. <laughs> All right. Bring it, um, bring so it that his dad, His dad said that he got greedy. Um, I'm going to call that one a heat check. Because there was a couple of plays where he hit, he hit the receiver in such a tight window. Oh, boy. And the receivers made the catches that that's when you've hit a few threes in a row yeah. and you jack one up sure. from 30 feet. Hey, You're just seeing what can happen. I, to- I totally get it. That's okay in basketball. I don't think you necessarily want a heat check as a quarterback of a college football team. I, that's just my When opinion. you're up big, heat <laughs> check, baby. <laughs> I, uh, Let's see what that arm talent really made, you, made of. You know what throw I thought was better than the Richard Newton one? was the crossing route to Fuller where he had to put it oh, up, for the touchdown? Uh, yeah, up and over the linebacker yeah. and drop it down, not to overthrow Fuller, just before the safety comes over and jacks him up. That was Oh yeah. He had some sauce on that ball. And that was a nice the... tight spiral. It was incredible. He flung Oh, it was beautiful. If Peyton Manning throws that ball, you're hearing it quack all the way to Fuller. Oh, come on. <laughs> Papa, you, Papa John's is going to blacklist you. <laughs> Papa John's blacklisted me a long time ago, Bab. Don't give that guy any more butter sauce. <laughs> All right, what okay. do you got for running backs? I got an A for the running backs. You mentioned it, but sure. Keep... Why do you keep biting my head off, bro? <laughs> I guess I'm. I had Mexican food. I'm spicy too. No, no, I just don't want any sauce from you tonight, man. This is it. Uh, you're getting, you're getting the sauce. I don't need any more sauce. <laughs> My enchilada was too spicy. 
<laughs> it's coming back up. Uh-huh. Running backs get an A. Sean McGrew eclipsing the 100-yard mark for the first time in his early UW career with 110 yards. He had a 6.1 yard per attempt. That's special. Um, I love how – man, I love how McGrew lowers his shoulder and fights for those extra yards. That kid's always falling forward, whether he's running over somebody, spinning around somebody. I, I really, really liked how he played this game, man. He's finding the right holes. Um, you know, he, we, this is the first time that we really got to see a lot of Sean McGrew in one game, and he impressed. And I think that's gonna—I I think that's gonna bode really well for him. So agree with what you're saying about Sean McGrew, man. He, in his limited playing time at Washington, he's made—he's made the most of it. I mean, he—he he practically won the Oregon game. Yeah. He comes back here and finally gets to start. And I think my favorite was actually a swing pass he caught when he looks like he's about to jitterbug. There's—I think there's two or three corners right on top of him. He was like, ah, oh, screw it. He yeah. just ran over the guy for like five, four more yards for yeah. the first down. I was like, oh, I like that. that there is... was, Go ahead. it was the end of the jitterbug. He just trucked him. Yeah. That's my favorite type of running back style. And that's yeah. why I think it's so much fun when him and, and Newton are on the, on the field together. That, that, that yeah. wildcat package, albeit they fumbled out of it, when they're on the field at the same time, that is double trouble, man. I mean, yeah. they, they, they both have the ability to run over anybody, especially in goal line situations. It's, Richard Newton just keeps doing what he's doing, and that's finding the end zone. Um, he had a receiving touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown. Uh, Bocelli needs to watch film on the TD that Newton had and see how a corner end zone catch is done. Because that – I know – Shots fired on Shots Pacelli. But that was the prototype of how you catch a ball in the corner of the end zone, and that was a running back. And Pacelli had 18 steps he could have drug his toes and didn't do it and jumped 27 feet out of bounds for an incomplete pass. Man. Can't we can't we move on? No, because oh. I was moved on until I saw Richard Newton – pull off an incredible corner. I mean, that's, that's what we all did. That's what you and me did. Yes. Oh, you brought it up. I was going to talk about that. (laughs) That's that's what you and me did in college. We took football literally everywhere. We would, we would be, we, me and Trev, when we lived together in college, we worked together at big five and we hung out literally. Yeah. We hung out literally everywhere together. And there was always a football, and no matter what, as soon as somebody grabbed the football, the other person was running for the corner of the end zone and toe-tapping when he <laughs> caught it. That's all we ever and did. Then they, and they'd turn into the official and give the, the catch signal. <laughs> Every time, man. The quarterback. They were always playing. looking for the football coaches at Skagit Valley, but turns out they don't have a football team. Right. Undefeated. But, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, we, you and me, we would have been on it, man, because we had those toe taps uh-huh. down. I'm going to push back a little bit on Richard Newton. Um, I thought overall he did have a good game, but if you're going to be hard on a special group like uh, the quarterbacks, I think because of the lost, the two fumbles, one on the exchange and the other where Newton lost that, I think I put him down. 
Um, I would give him closer to a B plus because I don't like to see turnovers from my running backs. I completely disagree. I completely. Well, they had 190 yards rushing. As double a, standard, dude. As a collective unit, they had two touchdowns between the two of them. A receiving and a running. Did did McGrew have a rushing touchdown? I don't think he did. Did he? McGrew did not. So McGrew did not get into the end zone. Dick uh, Richard had both of the. Didn't uh, you just call him Dick? Yeah. <laughs> Dick Newton. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I can double standard. This is my podcast. <laughs> oh, but it's our podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, it is our. I can double standard on my side of my half of this podcast. You know what? And I respect you for that. Okay, thank you. What are you going to give the receivers? I am going to give the receivers a B. Um, I'm still not in love with this group. Only two guys caught. <sighs> I know. I'm sorry. Only two. Oh my Trev, literally every time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is my half of the podcast, Trev. I know. I can't, I can't wait till you give grades because I'm just going to poo-poo on everything you do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it anymore. There's, there's, okay, there's reasoning behind this, and that's because only two guys caught balls all day for this, this receiving core. That's a good point. I mean, it's, tough to, it's tough to give any this receiving core an A when only two guys are catching balls. Um, they had yeah. yardage with 163. They both had a touchdown. But I'm so badly wanting, wishing, and hoping – to see more guys step up. You know, you saw Puka in there for a couple of plays. It would have been nice to see some targets go his way, especially in his home state. I think yeah. I think it would be a, of a different story if Ty Jones was healthy. He would probably be seeing the ball probably a handful of times a game. But uh, while he's out, I, our receiving core is just limited in the amount of guys that could trust right now. I'm with you. I'm, maybe I'm going to just hold my tongue until I actually let you speak your mind, because that is true. You mentioned that Puka had gotten some some snaps. Chico was on the field. Terrell Bynum also made an appearance, a few appearances on the field. But yeah, you're all right. It came down to, it was just Bocelli and Fuller that were making any sort of catches in this game, which... I'd like to see, especially in a 45-19 game, let's spread that ball around. Yeah. I know that one of the touchdowns did go to Richard Newton. Yeah. The three running back, all three running backs caught a ball out of the backfield. Yeah. So, you know, is, is, is it Eason going with those running backs instead of, you know, the, the Pukas the and the Bynums yeah. and the Chicos? So, you know, I, and I didn't watch the film that closely, the game that closely to see, so well, and, I couldn't tell And yet. where is Chico? He he had a really great start to the year, and it seems like he's kind of just teetering off a little bit. Um, I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved in this offense. I'd like to see some quick swing passes out in the flats to him, some, uh, you know, some, some wide receiver screens, stuff like that. I, I think that's where he's best in the open space. And it just doesn't seem like they're calling his number. So, yeah, he didn't catch a ball at BYU. I'm looking back at the Hawaii game right now to see. I, I believe he caught one pass in the Hawaii game. Yeah. One catch for 12 yards. Yeah. So, 
you know, that's, that's down from, you know, he was, he was catching a bunch of balls against Eastern. He was, he was helping, he was contributing in the cow game on the season. He's got nine catches for 91 yards. Um, so eight, eight of those know. were the first two weeks. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And to go to the receiving leader uh, in the receiving court, you have Aaron Fuller with 21 catches, 259 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah. Let's move on to tight ends. Let's. I give, uh, I give the tight ends a B+. Plus. Um, okay. I really like this tight end group, man. Between the two tight ends, Bryant and Cotton, they had seven catches for 85 yards, uh, but no score. Otten. I said Otten. I said Cotton. Otten. I put Cade and Otten together to make <laughs> oh. Cotton. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's <laughs> see let's see <laughs> He will not be able to see very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... Oh, we're going to our first sudden death. That's the first one since 1919. <laughs> we all know how that one turned out. Oh, that movie. Oh, man. That's a good movie. That is a good movie. I feel like they got kind of shown out by uh, BYU's tight end. Uh, to be fair, Bushman is kind of their number one guy. They don't really have a whole lot of playmakers outside of him. So he was kind of showcased as – and that's different than UW that has – you know, they had Fuller, Bacelli, Hunter, Cotton – uh, and <laughs> and through to their running backs. So Bushman was actually the uh, two yards behind Fuller for having the most receiving yards from both teams in this game. But uh, overall, how much? Two yards behind Fuller. Yep, you got it. So, um, but overall, man, watching watching Hunter Bryant and Kate Otten, there's such matchup problems for all defenses yeah. because no defense can game plan for them. Because we have so much more than just them. You can't just take them away. So they're special in the fact that they're such good outlets for Eason on a third and long. You know, they're, they're such matchup problems. It's really fun to watch. That, that, that throw yeah. that Eason made to, um, to Cotton on the sideline was great throw. great throw and a great catch on the sideline, yep. man. I, yep. I hope Pichelli watches that film. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Drag the towel. Jake will stop yelling at you. I know you're listening, bud. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know what's interesting about BYU is Matt Bushman is uh, their most talented receiver. In that USC game, he had one catch for 17 yards, and somehow they still beat the Trojans. Right. Right. Super weird. Yeah. I mean, and it seemed like what, this game they game? they were really trying to showcase him. Which was really interesting, and, and I'll get to that a little bit later when we move over to the defense, because I, I thought that there were some really interesting things that they did with Bushman, uh, and Washington was uh, in position a few times to make some plays that they unfortunately did not. Okay. Offensive line. Offensive line. I'm going to do it, Trev. I'm going to hand out my very first A-plus for the year. And, okay, and, and, now we're talking. And how could you not? These guys were road graders all damn day, dude. I tried counting how many, like, legitimately. I tried counting how many times Skinny had a clean pocket for more than three seconds. 
but, crazy. But I got tired of trying to keep track after like 19 in the first half. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this is unreal. Uh, and it's not even just their pass protection, dude. The gaps that they were given these running backs all day, the holes that they could run through, it was incredible. Um, they really – now, Now, to be fair, they were a lot bigger than BYU's defensive line. Um, we average 306 pounds on our offensive line with not a single guy that weighs less than 300 pounds. BYU's defensive line averages 262 pounds. Yikes. So, I mean, that's 40 pounds a guy, you know. And with, these aren't uh, bad 300-pounders. These are athletic 300-pounders. No, yeah, yeah, none of them are slow. So it's not like BYU could have used their speed against us. All of our guys can move their feet. And, man – they just showed their. They they just showed. They just they just. I think this their... is exactly where Washington showed that they're a program on another tier than BYU. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our offensive line just imposed their will on that defensive line all day. Their defensive yeah. line. How frustrating is that got to be when you show up to to a game and you think you got a chance and you just have got pushed around all day. Yeah, so, and there was the one hold on Nick Harris. Nick Harris, yeah, and it was it, it was a hold. It was kind of crappy because he didn't really need to do it. Um, I think honestly, he was looking at putting that guy into the ground. Yeah, and the guy started moving with the play, and that's why they they nailed him for it. Yeah, but overall, man, I I'm with you on that. I I mean the one holding call, you know, I yeah, I I don't think that this offensive line can play much better than that. I think. I am so excited to see them play the rest of the year. That is a really fun group to watch, man, because, man, it's, it just seems like they're clicking, and it seems like they're figuring it out. And uh, I, I'm, I, me personally, I'm excited to go to the farm and watch them play in person because I, I think that our defensive line is going to push them around. Do yourself a favor every once in a while, usually the second go-around watching, Watch Trey Adams. Yeah, he's incredible. He, he just he... we are we are very lucky that he came back this year because that dude is a special special talent. Yeah, he'll he'll be going in the first round this year. Yeah, defensive grades. Let's go with the yeah. defensive line. <laughs> defensive line. I'm going to give the li- defensive line a B. I thought uh, overall. Uh, shut up. Uh, shut up. Okay, yeah, it's uh, annoying. I won't do it again. Whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, BYU's rushing attack was non existent. They only had 79 yards on the ground all day. Part of that was Taysom Williams taking that nasty shot to the knee and having to be helped off. But still, even with that, they took their most dynamic player on the offensive side and limited him to six carries for 28 yards. That was exactly what a Washington defensive line is supposed to do to uh, a lesser opponent. Um, I'm going, the thing is, if this was a, if this was a game against a Pac-12 team and the defense were to give up 19 points, I'd probably given them at least a half a grade higher each time. But because of the level, the caliber of athlete that they were playing against, 
I dropped him a little bit because I expect even more of a domination. And it's because Zach Wilson still was able to put up numbers because once they got down, he had to start throwing more and the rushing attack was uh, rendered um, non-existent. Yeah, but Zach Wilson's a pretty – I don't want to say he's a special talent, but as far as a quarterback goes, he's kind of a – he is kind of a special talent because – he has the ability to make plays, you know, he doesn't have to sit back in the pocket. He can, he kind of reminds me of a poor man's Baker Mayfield, which this year Baker Mayfield is kind of the poor man's Baker Mayfield. But uh, he, man, okay. He has the ability to scramble and still keep his eyes up the field and make throws to guys that are breaking free from the coverage. And in college that, goes a long ways, especially with um, the corner. I mean, UW cornerbacks are still pretty good. Uh, Chances are you're not going to do a lot of that against Cal, but against um, lesser opponents, lesser defenses, Wilson's going to eat some people alive this year with that ability to do that. And he shows flashes of being a good quarterback. He's only a sophomore. This is his first – this is – what is this? His fourth start of his career yeah. uh, playing against a really good defensive front. That's a tough job, and, and he did have guys in his face quite a bit. Um, he ended up with negative 14 net yards. I mean, it's – the defensive line played really well. Yeah. Okay, uh, linebackers. Probably a C. Ooh. C plus. C plus? Uh, hey man, they're your grades. You give them what you want. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a C plus because the scooping score was awesome. Okay, so Washington was up 14-3 at that point. Okay, and they were trading. They were trading. They, both teams were were chunking yards. Washington was able to punch it in a couple times, but still, this game was uh, in question. And that scooping score by Brown and Wellington was a was a big deal. Huge deal. Yeah. The problem that I'm still seeing with the linebackers is there's holes for them to make these tackles. And I'm seeing them take, I see them going into the wrong hole. They're still making the wrong decisions. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend it's an easy job to be a linebacker and try to figure out who has the ball and what hole they're going through, but they're not meeting those guys in the holes that, I expect Washington linebackers to do. And that's why I give them a C plus because they were still good. I mean, you're not going to get, you give up 19 points. You're still going to be good. Yeah. And if this was against, again, a PAC 12 team, it would probably be minus. Yeah. Uh, let's go with safeties first. Okay. So safeties, I'm going to give an A to because they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be that last line of defense. Uh, I didn't see any blatant missed tackles by Cam Williams or Miles Bryant. Miles Bryant, of course, led the team in tackles again with nine total tackles. Cameron Williams had four. I thought that they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, And, you know, with guys like that, especially guys who are playing so deep, your goal is to, you know, not be seen, frankly, as much. And I thought they did a great job of that. Miles Bryant, again, uh, he might not be the MVP of the, of the defense this week, but he was, he's definitely still the best player on the field. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, cornerbacks. So you have to split the difference because I thought some guys uh, – Elijah Molden played an A-plus game. 
Um, Keith Taylor struggled more. So uh, let's let's give him a B overall. Okay. Um, let's start with the positive. We'll go to negative. We'll go back to positive. Elijah Molden was unbelievable yesterday. Uh, he blanketed the receivers. He had four pass defenses. He had four tackles. He should have had two picks. The first throw by Zach Wilson should have been an interception, and he just dropped it. And then, of course, he dropped another one that would have been blown up by a uh, a, a, off, a false off, start. Offsides, yeah, yeah, an offsides. So, but either that would actually be five pass defense. So that guy had an amazing game. Keith Taylor had a really really tough job. He was on the 2019 version of Todd heap. Um, That guy was really talented. He could run a little bit and he was big. Um, Keith Taylor's a big guy too. Matt Bushman's six, five and Keith Taylor six, two. So there's going to be some problems and he got blocked out a few times. One of the pass interference calls that got called on him. I didn't think was that egregious, but you know, you put your hands on him and that's, what's going to happen. He should have had an interception that went through his hands into the receiver's hands for their one touchdown at the end of the third quarter. But overall, uh, he didn't have, he probably played a C game. He had a really tough assignment. He's the, he's the upperclassman. He's got to make that. And then Trent McDuffie taking over for Kyler Gordon as a starting outside corner. He had a really great game. He he's raw. He's, Teams are going to be able not necessarily pick on him like they did Kyler Gordon, but uh, he had a guy make a catch in front of him and he punched the ball out. I mean, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I feel bad for anybody that we put on notice the rest of the year because uh, he was our original and then he lost the starting spot. So uh, that's our bad. Looks like we know what we're talking <laughs> Looks about. Like we know what we're talking about. We put him on notice and uh, Trent McDuffie comes in and shines. So, and that's what you kind of yeah. get with this defense, though, is it's kind of a next man up mentality because yep. they have the ability to do that because they are so deep, especially at that cornerback spot. There's so much yeah. talent there. They're just flocking here. So if one guy is is named a starter but isn't performing the way that this coaching staff expects them to perform, hey, man. Uh, he's still seeing the field. It's not like he's not playing. Um, you and me had talked the other day. He's still in those, those. what is it, three D? Three, the dime patches. Yeah, the dime patches. Yeah, so, the f- when you got four corners out yeah. there. He's, so he's still playing. He's still going to see the field. He just isn't that second cornerback that's always on the field. And he's a freshman. I yeah. mean, he's going to have plenty more opportunities. Uh, one other guy in the secondary that I want to point out is Asa Turner got his first interception of his career. Yeah, that was a really cool. That moment. was cool. That was cool. And I think there's going to be a lot more with him too. I think, I think he made the right call with playing safety or uh, safety instead of linebacker. It just yep. he just has a natural knack knack for the ball, you know. So yeah. I think I think he's going to be really good for us. I also thought that our outside linebackers. I know I've really focused on the inside linebackers. Ryan Bowman. Two tackles, one sack, forced to fumble. Great yeah, job. Yeah, great. Probably the best game I've seen from him in his UW career. Yeah. All right, so who's your offensive MVP? 
I'm going to go with Sean McGrew, man. Uh, watching him get the start and perform the way that he did with breaking that 100-yard mark. Um, no touchdowns, but still, the way that he carried that ball with the ferociousness. Um, you made a really good point earlier when he kind of danced around and then he just decided, you know what, I'm stronger than you. You're not going to stop me, and I'm going to blow through you. Uh, he was really, really fun to watch this game. I really, really enjoyed watching him. Yeah, How about totally. yours? He was, he was awesome. Uh, I'm going to go with Bocelli and Fuller. We were really on there. We were really hard on them last week. They they stepped up. They combined for 163 yards, like you said, and two touchdowns. Yep. They caught balls that were zipped in there. Uh, which shows improvement, so I'm yeah. gonna give them the MVP. I totally. The agree. easy one would have been Eason, but we didn't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, we can just admit, just agree that uh, Eason definitely should be. He's gonna be our joint MVP because that. Dude, yeah, that was too easy. Yeah, he yeah he balled out. So. Yep. Who's your defensive MVP? I'm gonna go with Elijah Molden. Man, he oh. had he had blanket coverage all day. Uh, Should have had two two picks. One of them, uh, it would have been a really nice one-handed pick if he had brought it down, but it also would have been called off because of the offside. I thought Elijah Molden played really, really well, uh, lived up to the hype, and uh, I'm excited to watch him play more like that the rest of the year. What about you? Mine's Benning Potoai. Just watching him, that guy is too athletic. Um, He ended up with a sack and a tackle for loss. He was, he was very disruptive and that move on the inside on third down is going to be a problem for college football teams. I, he, other than Miles Bryant, he might be my favorite player on this team on, on the defense. He's so much fun to watch. And when he gets a sack, he, he gives me goosebumps with his little, I don't know what that is, a hammer that he's swinging. Uh, so that, I think, in my opinion, I think what it is is I think he revs up a chainsaw and cuts down a tree. Maybe, maybe I it, you could be right, but man, he gets me so pumped up. I want to go hit somebody. It's he's, yeah, he's he is so much fun to watch. I think he's one of those emotional leaders that's on this team as well, and it, and it sure. shows in his play for sure. Who's on notice? Okay, I'm gonna. Take a little different approach here. Because Sean McGrew had such a good game, I'm going to put Savon Ahmed on notice. Not because he played bad, but because he didn't play at all. And the two he, wasn't run- there. he wasn't even there. And the two running backs behind him played so incredibly well, he really needs to prove that he's the man before he gets passed up by these two guys. All right. What about you? Uh, mine's going to be Kyler Gordon. Um, it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. There's Don Hampton probably sitting right behind him, and he's going to have to keep playing well to make sure that he stays in that four-corner rotation. Man, we already we already got him benched for putting him on notice once already. Now, you, now he's benched and you're putting him on notice again? I'm going – you know what? I like Don Hampton. Man. You, ooh. <laughs> You're just trying to get him kicked off the team. <laughs> I'm trying to get him 
Hey, man, I, I, in high school, I played against uh, Archbishop Murphy. So yeah, so you're bitter. I, I, no, I got a warm place in my heart for Kyler Gordon. I love Archbishop Murphy. I don't care if they beat us and everything. <laughs> they beat everybody and everything. All I remember, I remember playing in a JV game for baseball my freshman year, and we had one of the juniors come down to get some uh, innings, and the first baseman had, like, a pot for a cup and that's the only thing anybody could we were like god that kid's got a huge cup and <laughs> and the junior goes hey if that's actually the size props to him and i uh i got a laugh out of that that's pretty good so anyhow you ready to close the book on uh, byu i am all right so now we got uh usc coming to husky stadium for a 12 30 kick on saturday afternoon USC is coming off a really big win against the most people's Pac-12 favorite in Utah, beating them at the Coliseum. Um, Jake, what are your thoughts about USC? It's kind of, in, in my opinion, watching them this year, it's kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Uh, what yeah. team are we going to get from them? You know, um, And it kind of, as far as their games have gone this year, it's kind of, rotated between the two uh they barely beat fresno state by one score and fresno state was was driving on them it took a last second interception in the end zone to beat them uh then they go out and they beat a at the time ranked stanford 45 to 20 which now stanford you know everybody's kind of realizing isn't very good (laughs) maybe isn't as good as we thought yeah um they lose who called that uh, you did they lose yeah. – <laughs> enough gloating. <laughs> huh. uh, they lose to BYU at BYU. And then they give it to Utah. So – With their third-string quarterback. With their third-string quarterback. So which USC are we going to see? If it keeps with the rotation, it's going to be the not very good one. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a game of two ranked opponents – I, which quarterback do you plan for right now? Because I've heard maybe it's going to be Slovis. It might be Matt Fink. So you have very little tape on both guys. Peterson says that both guys are pretty similar in how they throw the ball, where they throw the ball. It's the same game plan no matter what it's going to be because they run the same offense with both guys. But – uh in two games, Slovis has 732 yards, man. Uh, that's pretty impressive so far. But he's also a little bit turnover prone, too. He's got five touchdowns and four interceptions. So he's he's kind of loosey-goosey with the ball where he wants to throw it, which with this defense, they kind of capitalize on that. So I, I think it's going to be a good game. But uh, I think we have just as much talent as SC does. We don't have as many stars. But developed talent, I think we have more of. And I, I, I'll take our coaching staff over, over Clay Helton 100 out of 100 times. I, will ne- I would never take Clay Helton over Chris Peterson. And as far as college football goes, that is huge. My opinion on this game is uh, USC is coming, coming to our house. Watch out. So USC in this Utah game, especially, I mean, they really relied on their superstars and they have one of the best receiving cores in the nation. 
Michael Pittman had 10 receptions for 232 yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, one of them was aided by a 77-yard touchdown. So, yeah. I mean, these guys have a ton of talent at the skill positions. They don't run the ball. That is goes right into Washington's strength still, is their secondary. Yeah. Slovis or Fink, you know, the thing about that game, Fink was throwing up some jump balls and – Utah's secondary looked terrible. They weren't Man, in the right they position. Not, they looked slow. They looked slow. They they weren't looking for the ball. Washington's a, has a better secondary. And after watching that, frankly, Washington has a better defense than Utah. And yeah. so I think that there's going to be some major issues. Um, Utah doesn't have much of an offense. They were still able to get some stuff done. Tyler Huntley had 210 yards. They, uh, as a team, they ran for 247 yards. USC ran for 13 total, uh, if you net the the losses. So, is Utah as bad as as that? I'm not sure. The defense sure didn't look good against a, a one-dimensional offense. You know, after watching that game, USC's defense was really flying around that day. You know, their yeah. defensive line they were they were moving and shaking. And they uh, they were really they were getting to getting to Utah's quarterback pretty quickly. That is the one thing that I might be a little worried about is can they get pressure on Eason because that was kind of his Achilles heel there against California's. There was so much pressure on him; he had no time to go through his progressions and make the right reads. And when it comes to our offense. The obviously the more time your quarterback has, the better. But if he if if Skinny can go through his progressions, he's going to find the wide open guy and he's going to put the ball in the money. And so if we can keep him upright, it's going to bode really well for this offense. Utah does not have a great offensive line. It was really disheartening watching that game and seeing Marlon Tuipolotu have a pretty good game since he was supposed to be – he was a one-time, long-time Washington commit yeah. who flipped in the last few days uh, to join Clay Helton and team. He had five tackles on the day as a defensive lineman. That's really good. I wasn't impressed with Utah. Utah definitely has a USC problem. Utah also is just one of those teams that is still learning how to win big games. And – it doesn't really matter. SC, there's never really a time where SC's going to shrink away from the big time stage be, just because of their program and their history. So I think Utah trying to break that door down still is is going to have that USC problem. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and realistically, you know, Utah is probably better coached than USC. But USC just has a lot talent, more talent. talent. Yeah, they, you're I absolutely mean, right. You know, the talent that they're bringing in every year, they're always bringing in the best recruiting class in the Pac-12 just because of location. You know, they always... Except for the last few years, it's been Oregon, Washington, then SC. Yeah, but still, I mean, they're bringing in more five-star guys than anybody. Sure. You know, so they're, they're, their talent's there. Yeah. And it's always going to scare me, and... and their receivers are really, really good. Uh, they're going to get a lot of opportunities. They had, let's see, 30. They threw the ball 32 times, 
in that game. And they're going to try to do that to Washington as well. And my thought is, is Washington's corners are going to be up for the challenge. Yeah. I, I mean, I sure hope so. Yeah. They're going to have to be because th- this game is going to probably rely on them. Yeah. All right. You ready to get to, uh, to some picks? I am. I got some really bad news for you. I didn't want to tell you until we were live. Oh. So there were six games last week. How many of them did you get correct? Zero? Zero. No way. Yahweh. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... I don't know if I'm the make season now. anymore, bro. <laughs> Dude, you missed every single one. <laughs> uh, you know, we both picked Utah. We got that one wrong. I went with Cal because, you know, my SEC bias. Uh, I won that one. You picked Stanford. We both picked ASU. We both picked Wazoo. And then you picked BYU to cover. I hate my life right now. Man, oh and six. That's embarrassing. So, that's the first time I've done that since we started doing this, and I am a little. That's. Bent. Well, yeah. I mean, we finished with the identical record last year. You're gonna just have to start picking against me. You're now seven and nineteen on the year. Oh, I'm twelve and fourteen. We're both we're both losing money, but I'm losing a little bit less. Okay. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going bankrupt. Uh huh. So first up, we have ASU's traveling to Cal, and Cal is a five-point favorite. ASU had a really wacky game against Colorado where Colorado looked pretty good. ASU's defense really failed, and uh, Cal came out with the loss. Or ASU came out with the loss. Cal, of course, went to SEC country, played a 9 a.m. kick on the Pacific time, uh, and, uh, and beat Ole Miss. Do you want me to go first so you can pick against me? No, I'm going to take Cal. All right. Okay, yep, as am I. I hope we're wrong. Um, We need Cal to lose some games. Yeah, and I think they will. They still have to go to Oregon. They still have to play USC. I think that there's probably two losses in their record. They're going to drop. That offense is not good. They're gonna they're they're gonna drop at at least one maybe two, if they only drop. We need one, them to lose two games. We don't need them to lose two games. What we need, well, before Wazoo, so we need. Yeah, Wazoo kind of threw a wrench in that, didn't they? So if Cal loses two or Oregon, we're, Oregon, we're fine. Oregon. If Oregon wins but out, the thing is because because Cal. Oh, you're going. You're going like. I'm going Pac-12 record. All sorts of crazy. I'm going Pac-12 record three-way tiebreaker. If Oregon wins out, except for us, Oregon beats Cal, and we're ranked higher. Yeah, I think the the more likely situation is Cal's going to lose two games. I agree. So I'm hoping hoping we're wrong on that one. How about that? Next, we got Stanford coming off uh, just just a terrible game against Oregon. They're now headed back to Oregon to play Oregon State. Oregon State's coming off a bye. Uh, Oregon State is a four-point underdog, so Stanford is favored by four points. I'm going to take Stanford. Okay. I'm taking OSU. Okay. 
I Stanford looks slow. They look bad. They I know that Cameron Scarlett will probably have a better game, but Stanford doesn't have the defense. I don't think to hold o- Oregon State back like they have in the past. And Stanford struggled with Oregon State over the last few years. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the WSU game at all? Man, we sure could. Whew. I mean, have I- you ever seen a team up forty nine to seventeen lose? Me personally, no, I have not. That yeah, we were sitting. So we went to a bar called the White Horse with some friends of ours Saturday night, and got away from our kids, went out drinking, having fun, playing pool, and I go to get another pitcher of a frosty um, diet Dr Pepper, <laughs> and he went diet. Huh? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> and I look up at the scoreboard, and Wazoo's just annihilating him. And I go, oh, okay, didn't see that coming. You know, US- UCLA's really bad this year. I come back like 10 minutes later, and I'm glued to the TV because they had already scored 14 points on them, and they were driving again. And it was it was incredible to watch this. The whole bar was glued to the TV watching that game, watching the downfall of of Wazoo. And really, I'm going to say it, watch them Coogan. Because that was the definition of a Coogan. I watched it with... I, I was in a living room with an, a sad Arizona State fan and two Coog fans. And it's a, it's a married couple, husband and wife, and the husband looks at me and he goes, they're going to coog it. <laughs> and she was like, shut up, don't say that. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going into the other room. And she goes into the other room to hang out with my wife and some other people. And it came down to the end and she was, she was so pissed. And he was just, he looked so defeated. I felt so bad for him. He was like, well, you know, it's just what it if, is. If you, like, Man. if you take away the fact that it's, Washington State, and it's to me, it's just funny when this kind of happens to them. If you take that away, it was still a, an extremely entertaining game to watch. Entertaining is a great word. It was not a good game. No, it was very no, no, no. It was a very entertaining game to watch. There was a lot going on. So, who do you got? We got WSU licking their wounds, traveling to Utah to Salt Lake City to play the Utes. Utes are a five-point favorite. Who do you got? I'm going to pick Wazoo to cover. And actually, I'm going to pick them to win because they're pissed off. I can't believe that. I did the same thing. Dang it. I don't think – Utah showed that they can't cover the air. (laughs) No, and and guess what? (laughs) That's what Wazoo does. And they do it pretty well. better at it. Yeah. Yep. Man, that kid threw nine touchdowns and lost. I know. They broke all sorts of records and lost. You know, and one of the things, and I wonder this, that kid threw a lot of balls. And towards the end of the game, and maybe it's just he kind of tightened up a little bit just because of the gravity of what was going on. But I wonder if there's a little bit of arm fatigue oh, you... throwing the ball that many times because he looked he he wasn't as crisp as he was in the first half. You got to think, right? Throwing the ball that many times that there's got to be some arm fatigue in there. 
I mean, it's just like a pitcher, man. They they're on a pitch count, so I mean, yeah, man, you 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 got to think that at some point your arm's going to start wearing down a little bit. Was he in the fifties? Anthony Gordon threw the ball sixty-one times. Oh. He was forty-one for sixty-one, five seventy, nine touchdowns, and two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got wow. You got to think that uh, he started getting a little tired there at the end, and like you said, probably a little bit uh, tightened up. You know, oh man, yep, this game's a lot closer than it should be right now. Dorian Thompson Robinson on the other side, twenty-five for thirty-eight, five oh seven, five touchdowns and a pick. Yeah, that's a pretty good stat. What line, really though. hurt the Cougs? Oh yeah, what really hurt the Cougs too was. There was some uh, there was some issues with kit coverage. They gave up two special teams touchdowns. Yeah, and that was kind of the catalyst for the comeback too. Oh, absolutely! And then just some really bad fumbles and picks. Yeah, man, what a what a wacky game. Yep. Uh, let's move on. The victorious UCLA Bruins now travel to Arizona to face the Wildcats. They're seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, UCLA blew their load last week. Arizona covers. Fact. <laughs> I yeah, that was it. I think that's it for uh, yeah. UCLA. Ninety nine. I mean, <laughs> that was that was your yeah. Rose Bowl, man. That was it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Rose Bowl at Martin Stadium. <laughs> yes. Then that leads us to our last game: uh, USC at Washington. Washington started as like an eight and a half point favorite. The line has moved to ten. I know. What do they know that I don't know? Washington. People are – that means people in Vegas are still picking Washington to win, and they're trying to figure out how to get people to put money on SC. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I've picked, picked a Washington game correct all year. As a matter of fact, I don't You think, have not? I don't think I have. So, for the rest of the year, I'm just going to pick them to cover. <laughs> so, 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 I'm um, picking them to cover. Yeah, I am as well. I think that this matchup, the way that their offense works now, is going to fit right into Washington's defensive schemes. And and I think that's where you're going to really see the difference. I think that USC has athletes that can stay with Washington. But I really think that Jacob Eason is a special talent. Enjoy him while he's here. That guy looks like the first uh, first overall pick. Um, let's see if the offensive line that is much better than Utah's is able to keep him upright, yeah, upright and and keep his jersey clean, yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, man, it's going to be a long day for the Trojans. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for listening to Fourth and Inches of Husky Podcast. Go dogs! Go dogs! Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Josh. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. Terrible. Tandis <laughs> all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping it fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think, no, not right now. <laughs> Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
You know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find him. You can find him. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground.